why don't you come on up here? Sarah, come on up here. We're so blessed to have Sarah Moses as part of our congregation. And um, I just want to honor her. Um, she's been through a lot in her life. And um, so if she has something that God has put on her heart, I want to hear what it is. Amen. Amen? You hearing that wind blowing outside? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Wind blow, Holy Spirit blow. I heard Pastor Stu talk about anti-Semitism, which I have experienced so much in my life. And I wanted to share, recently, I was standing in a long line of people uh, to purchase something, and a man, a big, tall guy in front of me, turned around to me, I guess he assumed I wasn't Jewish, and he, he said to me, those blankety-blank Jews, they come over here with their big wad of money, and they hold up the whole line. And so I thought, what am I going to, I had to say something. <laughs> so so I, uh, I found the words. I said, you, I looked up at him. I said, you know, it's so interesting that you should say that. Because looking at you, looking at your nose, your look, I could have sworn you were Jewish. And, and he became red with rage, rage. He said, ain't nobody say that to me. Ain't nobody. And I thought, thank you, God, for helping me find the words. And, <laughs> Be bold in your faith. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Before I get into my message today, um, I just, is there anybody in here that is not receiving our weekly newsletter that we sent out? Raise your hand. You don't? Okay. Is there any, okay, Matt? Anybody else not receiving, whenever we send out communication and maybe a, it's a weekly newsletter, I call our blog, and then there's prayer requests. And if you're not receiving them, raise your hand because we want to give you, these are our new um, visitor cards. They're very simple, but it has our name on it. And what we need is your full name, your email address, your phone number, and your address. Okay, this is just, we're, we're trying to develop a way where we can, we want to keep track of you. Matter of fact, why don't you hand them out to everybody? Just go ahead and we and fill them out and and then turn them in. Give them to us. We just, you know, somebody will say, "Hey, I haven't seen so and so recently," and and I have most of your contact information, but uh, not all. So I'd like to stay in touch with you and also to have your physical address because you may be in a place where you need prayer and you need your you need hands laid on you for prayer, and so we want to be able to do that. So if you would do that. And also, there's a place on there for prayer requests, too. So, also, good. So, if everybody would get that and fill that out and get them to myself or to Millie or to Bill or to Aaron, one of, the, one of our leaders. Amen. And also, just to remind you, uh, next Shabbat, February 8th, we're going to be welcoming Doug Hershey. He's going to be here for all week, and actually, he's going to be sharing on Friday night at 
at, uh, I think he, he's going to be sharing at Roa Israel. Is that right? And then Shabbat morning, he's going to be here with us. And then in the evening, um, he's going to be at Larry and Joyce's house. And then it's on Sunday, we've um, got him at um, Castlewood Canyon Church. Jack Sarah out of Franktown. So we're going to keep them busy all next week. So I really want to encourage you to be here for Shabbat. We're going to have them here. We're going to be take a, take a love offering for him. And that's coming up next week. And he's going to be bringing his books and just some, some great insights that we'll be hearing from Israel. And, and trip information on the trip to Israel. Amen. That's coming up that we're looking at doing here. Amen. You know, I want to continue on and and the whole theme that we've been looking about looking at is our biblical roots and it's so appropriate today as we look into the Passover and what that's all about. And the title of my message is A Prophet Like Moses. A Prophet Like Moses. Growing up Jewish, growing up in a Jewish home, Moses was our guy. He was our guy. He was the deliverer. He was considered the savior for our people. So the idea of, and Moses himself speaking about a prophet like me will will come in the last days. Talking about the importance of the Tanakh, the importance of the Torah, the readings about these things that that talk about something that is going to happen. I was so blessed this week. Um, I got a, a, a text from a friend that said, you've got to listen to this. And it was a, um, um, what do you call that? A post, um, not a YouTube, but a podcast. Thank you. Um, podcast of some people that I know here in the community that have a, a church, a ministry, and they are an on-fire ministry. And um, actually, it's um, the upper room. Many of you heard the upper room? Awesome people. Awesome people. Um, and they've been here. And, well, the leaders of, of the upper room, they went to Israel on a trip. And they came back and they were sharing with the church, with the congregation, with their ministry. And they were saying they had been totally changed and transformed by being in the Lamb. It was no longer just a historical reference in the ancient scriptures. It came alive to them. And they even said, this is going to change how we're going to be doing ministry in the future. Because they saw a kingdom perspective being in the land. They saw God's purposes for Israel and the Jewish people today. Not just something to refer back to, but something that God is doing today. And when this ministry and others get that revelation... Get that revelation. Watch out. Things are about to break out. This is what I'm talking. This is what I believe is the fullness of the church. And then all Israel will be saved. You see, there's a progression that takes place. There's the fullness of the church. And I think that fullness is not about number. It's not a certain number. It's a fullness of understanding, of revelation, of of maturity where the church realizes their the covenant calling upon the Jewish people and they act upon that and then all Israel will be saved in the last days 
And so I'm excited about what God is doing. There are so many prophecies in the Tanakh that speak about the Messiah. And that's what this couple found out was, that, wow, this is alive. This is, this is real. This is contemporary. This is for us today. But I want to start off by reading in Deuteronomy chapter 18, starting in verse 15. This is Moses is, he's getting ready to depart this earth. They're just about ready to enter into the promised land, and he's speaking a message to the children of Israel. This is what he says. Adonai, your God, will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brothers. To him you must listen. This is just what you asked of Adonai, your God, in Horeb on the day of the assembly when saying, I cannot continue to hear the voice of Adonai, my God, or see this great fire anymore, or I will die. Adonai said to me, they have done well in what they have spoken. I will raise up a prophet like you for them from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will speak to them all that I command him. Now, whoever does not listen to my words that this prophet speaks in my name, I myself will call him to account. And it's interesting because the New Testament apostles and disciples, they all refer to this prophet. They rarely use the term Messiah. They speak of the prophet. Just as Moses says, there's going to be a prophet arise just a prophet like me will come. Through the ages, the Jewish people were always saying, who is this prophet? Where is this prophet coming from? Where is he? Is he? Is that you? Is that you? They're always looking for the prophet. The Jews in Yeshua's time were, for looking for, were looking for the promised one, the so-called Messiah. You know... <laughs> Many times throughout Israel's history, and even at the time of Yeshua, there were always false messiahs that would come up and say, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Messiah. And the whole, the whole bit of it was to, to the, a Messiah who would, by military force, overthrow the Roman Empire in Israel. And so every few years, these, these Meshuggah would come up and call themselves the Messiah, the prophet. And people would turn to them and they would be put down by the Romans. But there's always this, this expectation among the Jewish people. Who is this prophet? Is it now? Is he coming now? Even if we see this in John chapter 1, verse 21, they're going out to be immersed in the Jordan by Yochanan, John. And they says, what then? Are, are you Elijah? They asked him. I am not, said John. Are you the prophet? See, they said, are you the prophet? No, he, said, he answered. And later on in John chapter 6, verse 14, it says, when the people saw the sign that Yeshua performed, they began to say, this is most certainly the prophet who is to come into the world. See, many others, there are many other scriptures that, that talk about this expectation of the Jewish people for their Messiah. Not only an expectation, but it's interesting. They have an amazing understanding of the biblical promises. They knew their scriptures. When they were talking about, you know, 
is this the man? Is this the man? Is this the prophet? Is this the Messiah? They would search the scriptures in the Torah, in the prophets, to see who this was. But we also see that Yeshua came. He was a stumbling block to the religious leaders. We see this in John chapter 5, verse 46. For if you were believing Moses, you would believe me. So he himself connects the words of Moses with who he is. Moses prophesied about who he was. And he says, if you were believing Moses, you would believe me. Because he wrote about me. But since you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? You see, there's that unbelief there. They didn't believe Moses. You see, knowing and believing the scriptures in the Tanakh are a prerequisite for understanding and seeing and realizing Messiah Yeshua. I really believe that. I would, in, before I got saved and, and my, my mother-in-law gave me my first Bible, and I remember reading that in, in, in Genesis and, and then getting into Exodus and be so excited because I'm reading about Moses and I'm like, this is great stuff. This is great stuff. This, this really, and then it started getting into Leviticus and I lost it. And I put it down and I, I just couldn't, I couldn't put it together. But, but it speaks of a prophet who is to come, the Messiah who is to come. And you know, I'm going to be speaking things today that most of us have heard before. But, but I want us to really hear it because um, it is so important for us. Because what I'm teaching, what I'm trying to bring out is the consistency, the continuity of the word of God from Bereshit all the way through Revelation. It doesn't change. And it's something that, that the New Testament apostles and disciples, they understood this. I've just lost it. Today, there's, a, there's such an effort to divide the word into, and to say, well, that's no longer necessary. All we have, all we need is Yeshua. All we need is Jesus. So I would even say this today. Is it not believing Moses one of the major problems in the church today? Think about that. Not believing Moses? Matter of fact, to the point where you say, we don't need to read the books of Moses his words are, quote, under the law. In other words, if we're reading that, we're going to be putting ourselves under the law. And I'm not saying everybody's like this, but I'm saying there is that understanding within a lot of Christians is that if I really get into the, book of Mo the books of Moses, uh, that I'm putting myself under the law. And it meant, they'll say, and the, and the law has been done away with. But it hasn't been, Torah has not been done away with. And I said this last week. The only thing is, the only sacrifices for atonement now are in Yeshua's blood. Not through the blood of the goats and the lambs, but through Yeshua's blood. You see, that's the difference between believing something and emunah, which is a Hebrew word which means faith. It's translated as faith, but it's much, much, much deeper. It's holding fast to something, holding fast to a truth that never changes. That's what emunah is, firmly persuaded, an assurance that is, causes, causes change in my lifestyle. That's what imunah, that's what faith is. But what it's been reduced to today is I believe something. I give intellectual assent to something. And therefore, it's okay. But it's just here. 
but it doesn't cause any change in my lifestyle. That's not true faith. And that's what James is talking about. You know, faith without works is dead. Does the church still believe that Moses is foundational today? I don't think so. When I hear, all we need is Jesus. We don't need that anymore. We don't need to, we're not under the law anymore. All we need is Jesus. He's come and given us a new way to live. Lord, help us. Even the rabbis point out, even today, that the coming of Messiah would be like Moses. They use those terms. He'll be like Moses. They call Moses the first savior. Just as Moses destroyed the power of Egypt, and that's what we're talking about today, the gods of Egypt, that the Messiah would come and destroy the Roman Empire. That's their mindset when Yeshua came. They said, aha, he fits all the scriptures. Aha, he's the one that's going to destroy the Roman Empire. But what they didn't understand, they missed the truth that the Messiah, the prophet, the promised Messiah was to bring spiritual, not just physical redemption. To change man, to, to actually initiate a new covenant where now the Torah is being written in our hearts. But they were looking at it as he's coming to destroy the Roman Empire. And when that didn't happen, they just turned on him. There's so many parallels, and, and many of you know these parallels. There's so many parallels between Moses, the life of Moses, and the life of Yeshua all through their life. Their lineage and other similarities. They were both descendants of Abraham, born when the Israelites were under Gentile rule. Moses was born, of course, in Egypt. And Yeshua, of course, was born during the Roman Empire when Palestine or Rome or Israel was under the Roman Empire. And we see that in Exodus chapter 1, verse 8. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. He said to his people, Look, people of B'nai Israel are too numerous and too powerful for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or else they will grow even more numerous. So that if, if war breaks out, they may join our enemies, fight against us, and then escape from the land. And we know what happened. We also see this compared to Yeshua's birth in Luke 2, verse 1. Now it happened in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus to register all the world's inhabitants. So even Israel was under the Roman Empire at that time. And we also see that when they were born, they were saved by death decrees, put on, by, put on all the Hebrew boys. The Pharaoh put a death decree upon the Hebrew boys that were born. And this Herod did the same thing. They were preserved miraculously in Egypt both times. They each of their mothers, and this is kind of funny, each placed them in a very unusual bed when they were born. Moses was placed in a basket of reeds and tar. How glorious and how royal is that? Put on the river. Yeshua, of course, was 
born in a stinky stable trough. But it also reminds us is that there has been an all-out war against the people of Israel. And this is what Sarah is referring to. There's been an all-out war on the people of Israel since the beginning. Since the beginning. Because the enemy knows, the devil knows, that through the Jewish people, the Messiah is going to come and the Messiah is going to come back again. Why do you think abortion is so... It's just a tool of the enemy. It's just a tool of the enemy. All that war on the Jewish people. Both Moses and Yeshua were both criticized and challenged by their families and their fellow Israelites. We see this in Exodus 14. We're reading a lot of scriptures, but I think it's important. Exodus 14, 11. They said to Moses, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness because there were no graves in Egypt? Why have you dealt this way with us to bring us out of Egypt? His own people. You know, they just saw the miraculous things that Kent referred to in the Passover. And then they crossed through the, that sea that, that split open for them. And that's a picture of us going into the waters of death, identifying with Yeshua's death and coming out coming out on dry land. And that's, a, that's a, a sign of new life, resurrection life. The people had already done that, but they're saying, no, we, why have you taken us out here to die in Egypt? We, we could have died. Isn't there enough tra- uh, graves in Egypt? Criticized, challenged by his family. And of course, Yeshua, we see that too. But back to Moses, he said, so according to the word of Adonai, no, I've, I'm going to forget that right now. Um, John, in John chapter 7, verse 4, we see that um, Yeshua, it's getting ready for the time of the the Sukkot. He's getting ready and people are getting ready to go to to Jerusalem. And and his brother's saying, aren't you going to go? Man, you got to show yourself. I mean, anybody who claims to be the Messiah, you got to show yourself, make yourself public. In verse 4 and 5, it says, this is John chapter 7. I don't have the scriptures up there for you. No one who wants to be well-known does every, everything in secret. If you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers were trusting in him. And just as Moses, the people of Moses, turned against him, Yeshua's own brothers turned against him. Murmuring and, and all of these things going on against Moses and against Yeshua. See the similarities? They both sent out 12 men on special missions. We see this in Numbers chapter 13, verse 3. It says, according to the word of Adonai, Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All the men were princes of Israel. 12 men, representing the 12 tribes, were sent into the promised land to spy it out. Yeshua had 12 men on a special mission too. We see this in the scriptures. He called his 12 disciples. And then he sent them out. He says, when you go, do this, do this. See, he had these 12 men that he entrusted with the message. And it's interesting because Moses sent out the 12 tribes believing that they had the same message too. They heard the same message. God was promising the land. Go in and spy it out. Come back and tell us what it looks like. But, of course, we know that fear and unbelief steeped in, came in. 
Both men uh, went through 40-day fasts. Both men were considered humble, walking men of humility. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. We read this every Shabbat. He says, come to me. This is the words of Yeshua. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And this is what I love. is It's that both Moses and Yeshua, they had special relationships with Father God. They spoke directly with God, face to face. They had direct access, a picture of intimacy. We see this in Exodus chapter 19, verse 9. Adonai said to Moses, I am about to come to you in a thick cloud so that the people will hear what I speak with you, when I speak with you, and believe you forever. There's this relationship that, that God could trust Moses with his words. Even to the point where Moses would, would seemingly argue with what the Father would say to him, face to face. And we see Yeshua had that relationship with his Father too in John 12, 27. Yeshua said, now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But it was for this reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came out of heaven. I have glorified it, and again I will glorify it. You see the similarities between Moses hearing from his father and having relationship, speaking with his father, and the father speaking with him, and also with Yeshua. Both were mediators between God and man. We see this in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 5. It says, I was standing. This is Moses saying, I was standing between Adonai and you at that time to tell you the word of Adonai. You see, the people of Israel didn't really want to hear God's word. They said, Moses, you find out what he's thinking or saying, and, and then you tell us. It goes on to say in that same verse, because you were afraid because of the fire and did not go up into the mountain." And we see this in John chapter 5 with Yeshua. Yeshua says, amen, amen. I tell you, the son cannot do anything by himself. He can do only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he does. He will show him even greater things than these so that you will be amazed. They also, both of them were intercessors. They stood as intercessors. They stood in the gap, crying out on behalf of the people. If you turn to Exodus chapter 32, verse 11. Then Moses sought Adonai his God and said, Adonai, why should your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say he brought them out to do evil, to slay them in the mountains and to annihilate them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this destruction against your people. 
Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. The chutzpah of this man. Remember the promises you made to Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have spoken of, I will give to your offspring and they will inherit forever. You see, they stood as intercessors. Moses stood as an intercessor. God was getting ready to smite them. To, you know, and, and I knew that God, God knew that this, this Moses, he knew the heart of Moses. And Moses reminded him of the covenants. And it's okay for us to remind God of the covenants he made with us. It's okay to do that. We see in John chapter 17, verse 9, Yeshua says, I ask on their behalf, not on behalf of the world do I ask, but on behalf of those you have given me, for they are yours. John 17, all of John 17, is Yeshua interceding for you in me. This is what they do. This is what Moses did. This is what Yeshua did. They were deliverers. They were both considered to be deliverers. Moses, the deliverer, delivered us from Egypt, from the power, and, and Yeshua delivers us from the power of sin and righteousness. To righteousness, I should say. From the power of sin to righteousness. Yeah, there we go. Not doesn't he brings us, he gives us righteousness. Amen. Hallelujah. So just to kind of bring this message to a close, when the Father speaks to us, when the Father speaks to Moses, when the Father speaks to the to the prophets in the Tanakh, it's eternal. It has purposes for us today. Everything that God speaks has a purpose for us. It's an eternal purpose. His faithfulness should bring us great comfort and encouragement when we are going through distressful times, hard times. The promises that he made to Moses and to the prophets, the promises he made to you, we can hold on to them. They give us great comfort. You see, we're a people who expect things to change immediately. God, I prayed this prayer yesterday, and how come it hasn't happened? And yet we need to understand that God is faithful to every promise that he keeps. The when and how, that's up to him. That's up to him. I think so much of the the problems that we're having in the body of Messiah today are because people do not remember the promises. They're easy to, we, we forget what God has said. Or after time, we say, well, you know what? That was a long time ago. But God's word is still, he is so faithful to his word. You see, the rabbis knew the greatness of Messiah would overshadow the greatness of Moses. They knew that. I just want to close with reading a scripture and if the worship team can get ready to lead us in worship. In Luke chapter 24. And I love this passage of scripture because this is the point that I've been trying to make over the last few weeks. The New Testament disciples the first church, 
they relied upon the scriptures. And they, even in the midst of dark times, they knew what the scriptures said. They knew what the scriptures said. And they put their hope and trust in what they would say. There's an interesting dialogue that takes place, and you guys know this story. Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 13. I'm just going to read these verses. Now behold, two of them, disciples, on that very day were traveling to a village named Emmaus, a distance of about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were speaking with one another about all the things that had been happening. While they were talking and discussing, Yeshua himself approached and began traveling with them but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. I just want to stop right there. How many of us know Jew, Jewish people in, their, in your lives and you've been sharing and sharing and sharing and there just seems to be kind of a blindness, kind of a deafness when it comes to things? Walk along with them a little bit farther. Keep on walking with them, okay? Because this is, this, you know, it, it's, it's a prophecy that there will be a partial blindness that comes upon the Jewish people. And these are disciples of Yeshua that had just experienced, they just saw what took place in Jerusalem. And they're walking with the Lord. But they don't recognize him. Then he said to them, Yeshua, what are these things you're discussing with one another as you're walking along? They stood still looking gloomy. Then the one named Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? Yeshua said to them, What kind of things? You ever been praying and you're just praying and saying, God, these things are going on in my life. And, um, and he's kind of always, he's like, What things? What things? What things? <laughs> What kind of things? And they said to him, the things about Yeshua from Nazareth, who was a prophet, powerful in deed and word before God and all the people, how the ruling Kohanim and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they executed him. But we were hoping that he was the one about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. But also, some women among us amazed us. Early in the morning, they were at the tomb. When they didn't find his body, they came saying that they, that they had also seen a vision of angels who said, who said, he is alive. Some of those with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women, women said, but they did not see him. Yeshua said to them, Oh, foolish ones, so slow of heart to put your trust in all that the prophets spoke. Was it not necessary for Messiah to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then, and this is the part, then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things written about himself in all the scriptures. They approached the village where they were going and he acted as though he were going farther. But they urged him saying, stay with us. For it is early evening and the day is already gone. So he went to stay with them. And it happened that when he was reclining at the table with them, he took the matzah, offered a baracha, and breaking it, gave it to them. 
Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from them. You see, there was something in their hearts that was awakened as Yeshua himself was with them and reminded them of all the scriptures referring to him. And that blindness all of a sudden when he said the blessing over the bread, they got it. They got it. You know, I just, I'm reminded, you know, sharing our faith with Jewish people. You see, when we went into the ministry, I remember saying, and I remember saying it out loud, I do not want to go to the Jewish people. They're hard. They won't respond. They will not listen. I know because I grew up in a Jewish family. And I know what it's like, and I don't want to deal with the mocking, and I don't want to be, I don't want to be made fun of. And for several years, I wrestled with that. And the Lord made it very clear. A man named Derek Prince even prophesied over me. Yeah. And I put it on the shelf, and it's like, okay. I, but I remember going into Israel and, and beginning to share with Jewish people and seeing lights come on. But the big test is, what are you going to do in your family? You don't know my mom. You didn't know my mom. I love my mom dearly, but boy, she was a hard nut to crack. But I remember sharing, you know, with fear and trembling, the gospel with my Jewish family. I remember even calling a meeting together, a family meeting when we decided to move to Israel and make Aliyah. And my family was going bananas. They were going crazy. This is stupid. This is Meshuggah. What do you mean you're going to go to Israel? Why do you want to go to Israel? You know, this is my Jewish family telling me this. And so we talked. And, but I remember we just stayed faithful. Huh? Oh, this is, yeah. At first we had gone into YWAM. We really went off the, and then going to Israel. And, but I just remember just um, sharing haltingly and, you know, kind of, Oh, and, and sharing, especially with my dad. You know, my dad would, would hear, and I remember just one day he came, and, and I've shared this before, but he was with us and, and visiting with us, and, and I was asked to preach at the church that I was part of, and I preached the message. And um, after the message, he came to me, and he said, you know, I believe. I believe, and this has been, we've been saved 20 plus years at this point. I believe. My dad was, he didn't, you know, he, he wasn't a very, um, you know, outgoing evangelist. He's a servant, wonderful guy. But I gave him this video. Um, this is back in the days of VHS videos. Anybody remember them? And it was this, this it was this movie about, a Jewish family and one of the children gets saved and, and goes back to, to, to um, Israel at the Passover, as a matter of fact. And the, the, just the whole ter- you know, tumultuous family get together and here's this, their son that moved to New York who meets Yeshua and he comes home and the family's just in, in all kinds of, having all kinds of fits. And, and then they come to an understanding of his faith in Yeshua. And my dad would watch that and watch that and cry and cry. And then he began to share that video with all of his Jewish friends. See, his eyes were opened the more he heard about the prophets, what the prophets promised. This is, I, I, 
I just want to speak this, and I want to close with this, is that we, would you stand with me? As, as a congregation, as a Messianic Jewish congregation, we are called to reach the lost sheep of Israel. We're called to reach the Gentiles too. I want to see both coming into this congregation and not just coming from another congregation. That's called transference. That's called, you know, lateral or, or you know, move, uh, growth when you get people from other congregations. I'm talking about Jews who do not know Yeshua to come to know him in a life-changing way. That's what our heart is. That's what our heart is. And through this also that, that Gentiles and Jews would come to know their Messiah, be born again into that relationship that God's called us into. This is what Yeshua prayed in John chapter 17, the rest of that chapter. They will know God's love when they, when they will experience that love, that oneness, that unity with the Father. I just want to pray for those of you who are struggling with sharing your faith. Just struggling because, you know, it's, it's like, ah, I'm not called to be an evangelist. It's not about being called to be an evangelist. You know, this is what the message was, you know, that the children will ask, what do we do this for? You tell them the story. And each of us has our own story of a Passover where we passed over from Egypt into the promised land. And that's what it is. Nobody can take away that story that you have in your heart. How many of us love to share our testimony with other people? A couple, a couple. How many of us want more boldness in sharing our faith? Amen. Father, in the name of Yeshua, I just want to pray for my brothers and sisters right now. Lord, you are calling Or Chaim to be bridges into a dark world. Father, I pray that there would be open doors, but Lord, sometimes we have to put our foot through that slightly open door and walk through that and share. Father, I pray that there would be a boldness in each and every one of us because the day, the day is coming very soon. And so, Lord, I pray for an anointing. I pray for a greater mantle to share our faith with others who don't know you. And, Father, I pray that for the Jewish community here, in the Denver area, the De Denver metro area, Lord, that, that we would have greater impact and, and greater influence into the Jewish community. Hallelujah. Father, we pray that their hearts would be softened. Lord, we pray that their, the blindness would be removed, Lord God, just like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and that they would see the promised Messiah, the prophet, like Moses. So, Father, I pray, Lord, that in this day, Lord God, you would raise up an army of worshipers of you who, who would not shy away from sharing their faith with others, Lord. In Yeshua's name. In Yeshua's name. I really believe that the Lord is, is this year, 2020, is going to be a year of us going out into the community sharing, dancing, 
proclaiming the kingdom to the Jewish people, but also to the Gentiles too. This is the time we've got nothing to lose. We've got nothing to lose. Hallelujah. As we enter into our time of worship today, I just want us to just, just say, Lord, it's not been one of my major things. It's been one of my big things is to, to share my faith. But Lord, I thank you for the boldness. I thank you for the boldness that you're giving me. <coughs> Hallelujah. And as we enter into this time of worship, as we enter into this time of praise, this is also our time where we bring our tithes and offerings, the Lord's tithe and our offerings before him. We have baskets up here in the front and also the box in the back. Let's be faithful in our giving to see his kingdom go from this mountain into this city and into this nation and into the nations. Let's be faithful to the Lord. Amen. Let's give unto him. Say hi. 